My name's Allie Pierce, and you're listening to Mic Check, a movie musical review podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Mic Check. This week I got to sit down with one of my favorite people to discuss one of my favorite Christmas movies, which reminds me, if you haven't been voting on my Instagram story for the Christmas movie bracket, make sure you start doing that. We just got into the second round and I have some thoughts about y'all's voting. First, y'all voted for Polar Express over Charlie Brown. Let me start by saying that I am not like a Charlie Brown stan, but there is no way that Polar Express beats beats Charlie Brown. I will be the first to say that Polar Express has a great story and a great soundtrack, but the animation is truly so effed up, I cannot handle it. And the elves are literally scary. But I digress. Second, y'all voted for Elf over Christmas Vacation. I realize this is probably because the people that I know all probably grew up in in more conservative homes and haven't seen Christmas Vacation, but it is truly the best Christmas comedy. That being said, I also love Elf, just not as much as Christmas Vacation. I swear though, I swear, tomorrow I'll be posting the most terrifying poll of this whole thing. If you guys let Polar Express beat Muppets Christmas Carol, I will be upset. I, I, like, that will do me in, and I'll stop it, so don't do that. But after this experience, I'm kind of tempted to make another bracket of, like, Christmas food, songs, whatever, because it has been really so fun to create and and keep up with with all of you i've really enjoyed it moving on we also have some movie musical news in that they announced um, a couple other cast members for the wicked movie first they announced ethan slater as bach Um, ethan slater is best known for originating the role of spongebob in spongebob the musical which i have not seen nor listened to but i'm excited to see him in the film however more importantly than that they announced that um, Dr. Dilemma will be played by the one, the only, Jeff Goldblum. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I am a Jeff Goldblum stan. I love that man. He is so hot, such a handsome man, so funny. He's also Rachel Berry's dad in Glee. So I'm very excited for that. I feel like Jeff Goldblum is going to eat up sentimental man, you know? He's just he's just going to kill it. Actually, he doesn't even sing sentimental man. Anyways, I'm trying to remember the name of the song he sings <laughs> with the goat. Anyways, that's embarrassing. Also, Matilda just came out on Netflix and I haven't watched it yet, but after seeing the TikTok clip of the girl in the red beret, I'm very excited to watch it because that was awesome. I also saw a clip of Emma Thompson as the trench bowl on Jimmy Fallon, I think. And it also looked very, very good. I've never listened to Matilda the musical, so I don't even know the music mostly, but I'm very excited to watch it. So once I watch it, I will I will let you guys know. Also, I hope to do an episode about it in the future. Um, I also went and saw Spirited this week, and I talk a little bit about it in the podcast episode this week but I really liked it I don't like Ryan Reynolds that is like a hot take I know 
Ryan Reynolds kind of drives me nuts. His only redeeming quality is that he's friends with Taylor Swift and he's married to Blake Lively. But my sister brought up part of the reason I don't like him is that like he literally plays the same character in everything he's in. Like he's so one dimensional. He's always just like a jerk. The only other movie of his that I like him in is The Proposal, which is a is a, a good rom-com. I think I struggle with him because he's a little crude for my liking. And also he's like every straight white guy's fantasy. And I just can't get down with that. Don't know why. Don't know why. But anyways, it was good. It's a musical. I I enjoyed it. Like 85% of the way I enjoyed it. Anyways, lastly, I hope finals went well for everyone who is doing finals. I know that I'm relieved that the week is my my dead week is over and I'm almost done with my finals the only thing I have left is my jury tomorrow which for those of you who don't know what a jury is is when instrumentalists singers whatever have to go and perform in front of the faculty for the music department and it's kind of like the final for your lessons and so I have to do that tomorrow morning and I'm kind of nervous about it, but I've worked really hard on all my music. So I guess we'll just have to see. I'm kind of excited though. Let me think of, are there any more updates? Um, not really. I was just kind of a girl boss this week. You know, I got things done ahead of time. I was really proud of myself. Because I finished with all my homework by like Wednesday and Thursday. So I have papers and stuff that are due on Tuesday of this next week in a couple days. And those have been done for like a week. And then I took on my finals ahead of time. Like I had a teacher that had the final available on this previous Thursday as opposed to the scheduled time, which is next Thursday. And I took it this previous Thursday and it went really well. I'm very proud of myself. So I hope all my grades turn out like a good reflection of how I feel like. I did. Um, Also, I wanted to give a shout out to my Uncle Greg and my Aunt Sarah. Um, uh, Last weekend, I went to Colorado, where they live, to go to the Bridgerton Ball, which is a whole experience in and of itself. But they had all this podcast equipment that they weren't using anymore, and they gave it to me. So all this nice new quality of sound this audio quality is shout out to greg and sarah for giving me this bomb equipment i am about 60 percent sure of how to use it each time i go to plug it in from the soundboard into my computer i have to say a quick prayer that it will show up in the input (laughs) but it's worked out a couple times now after lots of trial and error so i hope you guys enjoy that better sound quality this time and i hope you guys are having a great week and i hope you enjoy the episode (laughs) hi everyone and welcome back to another week's episode this week we are getting into one of my favorite christmas movies of all time white christmas and our guest is abby barton hi abby hello hi (laughs) thank you so much for coming on the podcast oh you're welcome it's a pleasure to be here (laughs) oh it's a pleasure to have you um so i always start each podcast introducing the guest with the story of how we met or like how we know each other what our relationship is Mm -hmm. um abby and i are very very dear friends and I would say she's my best friend, and we've known each other since we were four years old. We grew up in the same neighborhood and went to the same church and school for the majority of our adolescence. 
and I don't exactly remember the first time we met, but I remember you kind of telling me that like you met me and you were scared of me. Is that true? I remember. Yeah. I remember being at church and it was in like the old church. I don't remember. Yeah. Where it was, yeah. But, um, we were by those floral couches and my mom was like talking to your mom and my mom was like, look, she has a daughter that's your age. Like she was trying mm-hmm. to introduce us and our moms were. And I remember like holding onto my mom's leg and kind of like, don't, that's scary. So. I think that's that's what I remember as our first time meeting, but we would have been really, really little. Yeah, so. I don't ever remember specifically. It I just knew you. It wasn't anything against you. It was just, it was me. <laughs> it, it's not you, it's me. Yeah. Um, and then we went to junior high and high school together, and I would say near mm-hmm. the end of junior high, junior high, our friendship really picked up, and we became really close all of a sudden, and yeah. I say we've been pretty inseparable since, and pretty the past... Much how long has it been since we graduated three (laughs) three years yeah three years wow the past three years has been a wild time for our friendship but i feel like we have come out more more mature and more (laughs) have a deeper bond now i would say i would say so um and now we go to the same college by some luck of fate neither of us consulted one another on Mm -hmm. any of our choices and now we go to the same college and yeah. by luck of the draw this semester we had our little tuesday thursday commute together that was fun. on the train so we'd take the train home and, and everyone would and be, watch us and listen to what we were saying and be like oh wow exactly because like everyone else is by themselves and then it was like us together mm-hmm. and so we'd always like talk tea or like talk about things and i have no inhibitions when it comes to like discussing <laughs> things in public so they'd all just like look at us like oh okay oh. and it'd be fun and then i'd get off like a couple stops before her so i could go my way and i'd get off at the station with some people and then i was like on my own again and being all quiet and silent and people would just like look at me and i'm like timothy be like hello timothy girl you got any, you got any more stories i'm like timothy i'll tell you those stories any day <laughs> <laughs> no i think my time timothy is a guy on the train that looks like timothy chalamet so we just call him timothy i don't know his actual name abby had a class with him i, but... I did have a class with him i don't remember his name at all mm. so that's well, kind of weird but i don't i doubt i'll ever see him again because dang. the u is a big place dang but yeah he would take both of our trains and then I'd just see him and be like, Timothy. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Abby and I love being her best friend and spending time with her. And yeah, Abby oh, is wonderful you. and beautiful and great. Um, and then I wanted to ask you your history with the movie White Christmas. So I had actually never seen White Christmas until when did I watch this movie? I think Wednesday. Nice. <laughs> of this past week. Today is Saturday. Um I had seen the like the play the musical mm-hmm. like on stage with you, mm-hmm. um, which is two, so weird because I don't remember that two three years ago at Centerpoint, mm-hmm. which is a local thing. Theater, theater, yeah. Um, a theater. So I'd seen that with you, and then I watched the movie just for the first time this Wednesday. But I always have loved like the song White Christmas, mm-hmm. and. I don't know. I just love the old timey Christmas music. Mm-hmm. Like that's my favorite. There's nothing more heartwarming than turning that on and like decorating the Christmas tree. So 100%. And White Christmas has always been one of my favorite songs. So I thought it was kind of funny. I was like, oh, I've never actually seen the movie, but this is one of my favorite Christmas songs. So it was good to watch it. I'm glad you watched it. Yeah. Um, I watched the movie for the first time. Like I never grew up watching this movie. Mm-hmm. My, I 
I still think my mom and dad haven't even ever seen it. Oh, yeah. Um, which is crazy to me. But I watched it for the first time at my friend's house back in like eighth grade or something. She had people over for like a Christmas themed hangout party oh. thing. And we watched White Christmas and I was like, my new love. I love this movie. And this <laughs> is my whole personality now. Yeah. And... I ever since then I'm like oh this is such a good movie I just love watching it and it's one of the very few like like I think you think of like traditional musicals like Mm -hmm. this is one of the few I've seen and I really like because the ones before this are in black and white and I'm not really about that (laughs) I'm kind of a black and white movie hater (laughs) um but and but the ones after this are good but this is one of the earlier musicals that I have watched so it's a good one yeah also they're doing it at tuacon next christmas and i'm like i want to go see it there that would be so fun that'd be so fun yeah and i think center point is also doing it again next december so i'm like catch me auditioning oh that would be fun (laughs) that would be so fun except for i remember um i was really surprised like the movie i was like what the heck this is not anything like the musical that i saw really on stage yeah i like maybe i'm not remembering the musical um like on stage version of it very well but i was like i don't remember half of this happening so i don't even remember going to see it yeah it was i remember seeing holiday inn but not this oh maybe that's what i'm thinking of that is so awkward (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) anyways that's awkward disregard what i have said previously (laughs) we actually saw holiday inn (laughs) but here's the deal holiday inn was shot in the same on the same set that White Christmas was shot. Oh, and okay. it's a very similar vibe. I was going to say, so, I no, feel like there are two sisters. Yeah, no, hey, show there business. is quite a few ties between that movie and this movie and that story and this story. Oh, okay. So, so that's cool. Anyways. <laughs> they might even sing. No, they do sing White Christmas in that. Okay. So that's, so that's why I'm think. thinking of. I was okay. like, there wasn't anything You're about not crazy. the army. And they were like what they i think they were like southern and uh, what huh? yeah yeah okay no. well that makes more sense that's yeah. good to know i'm not crazy yeah but they do sing white christmas in it oh so. okay good good so <clears throat> that makes sense okay okay so normally i start with musical facts like the stage musical mm-hmm. because normally the stage musical become comes before the movie right but in this case the movie came before the stage musical so this movie released on october 14th of 1954 and it premiered at radio city music hall I think it's weird that it came out in October, but... Oh, yeah. Hmm. What a, I mean... They were excited for Christmas. Maybe back in the day, it was harder to, like, distribute the movie. Mm. So, like, if they were going to do the premiere then and then have it show in, like, other theaters by November, December... Right. They had to, like, do it earlier. Okay, that, that makes sense. sense. But yeah. also, my mom was telling me the other day that mm-hmm. Home Alone came out in October. What? Yeah. Huh. is maybe that weird? That is weird. <clears throat> like, end of October or be Or what... I don't remember. She was like, because she's saying how much she hates Home Alone, which I'm like, anyways, I love Home Alone. (laughs) Um, And she was saying, I just remember like my parents going and seeing it and me going to see it in like October. And it wasn't like a Christmas movie. I think she was talking about Home Alone. I'm almost positive. That's what we were talking about. But it was weird. I don't know. That is weird. Maybe that's a thing. I don't think it is. but (laughs) It could be. Well, Spirited. Is that that? Yeah. That came out in like mid-November. Right, but I feel like November. I mean, it is. it's 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 both Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's the holiday on, season, exactly. Right, so yeah. it counts. Also, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, 
The music was composed and written by Irving Berlin, who is a famous musical composer and has written musicals such as Annie Get Your Gun. I mm. love Annie Get Your Gun. He's he wrote the song Putting on the Ritz. <gasps> right? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys have seen Young Frankenstein, <laughs> Putting on the Ritz. And then he also wrote God Bless America. Oh. So I'm I'm a cool. fan of that song. Uh, the director was Michael Curtis, who was a really big director at the time, and he directed movies like Casablanca or Casablanca, however you say it, because I know some people say it different ways. Um, the Jazz Singer, which I have heard of, I think. I've never watched it because it's probably in black and white. <laughs> and then tons of like other old Hollywood movies from the time. that uh-huh. I had. There were a lot of them, but I hadn't heard of them because I don't watch old Hollywood movies. Right. The screenplay was done by Norman Krasna, Norman Panama, and Melvin Frank. Norman Krasna has written tons of movies, none of which I recognize because White Christmas was on the tail end of his career, but he was very established and worked for lots of big Hollywood studios at the time. Norman Panama had less filmography under his belt, but he later did go on to write and co-direct a movie called The Court Jester. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Inquire. Um, yeah, yes. That. <laughs> Which starred Danny Kaye and Angela Lansbury. And we watched that movie in high school choir one day when Mr. Wright was doing vocal, like, what does he call those? Like, analysis almost. Like, I don't know. you basically go in and he, you'd sing a couple notes for him and he'd assign you a part. Yeah. And so, vocal evaluations is what I have written here. Mm, yeah. So, we actually have seen that movie. It's with- weird Weird. (laughs) it's one of those ones where i'm like "Mm, maybe for the time it was good exactly maybe for the time i i watch it again yeah (laughs) quite frankly a waste of two days in class yes um and then melvin frank and norman panama were were seemed to have been like partners like business partners at the time because they always worked on projects together i think he also worked on the court jester and they have like almost identical filmography lists following white christmas very cool. Primary filming took place from September to December of 1953, so like the year before, which is further in advance than it do- takes now, obviously. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can tell, all the filming took place on a soundstage and utilized the new uh, VistaVision Wide View. This was the first one that. What was the studio? Do you remember? Is it Param- Paramount. I probably. Think, I don't know, but when I started watching it, it was like. The first, the first film in Vista View or whatever. Yeah, I was like, oh, nice. Yeah, I think okay. it was Paramount. And so this was like very ahead of the time and like it was one of the newer movies in color. Like mm-hmm. it was very exciting. The budget for the film was $2 million, which I don't have a modern day equivalent of that, but I do have a modern day equivalent of the grossing cost. Cost? Mm-hmm. Profit? Profit. There you go. Um, it grossed $30 million in 1954, which is equal to about $300 million in oh, today's money. Wow. Um, and it was the highest grossing musical at the time. That's very cool. There are a couple notable cast members. Bing Crosby is Bob Wallace. Bing Crosby is an American singer famous for his crooning style and has won several Academy Awards, Golden Globes, and Grammy Awards, including the Glammy, Glammy? Grammy <laughs> Lifetime Achievement Award. He had lots of radio shows during the time of radio, and he's been in over 80 movies during his career, very few of which I've seen and or recognized, again, because they're old movies. 
but he played Billy Crocker in Anything Goes. I was in Anything Goes. Fun fact, guys. I went and saw it. Wow. I did, yes. He voiced the narrator, um, Inkabod Crane and Brom Bones in The Adventure of Ichabod Crane and Mr. Toad. Have you ever seen that? I it's have not. scary. <laughs> but um, if anybody knows me, they know what a big fan I am of Mr. Toad's Wild Rush. <laughs> Love me some Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> At Disneyland. Oh, and, and then he also starred in Holiday Inn, which came out before this. Holiday you, Inn was the one the that one I we thought. saw. Okay, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, very similar. Okay, Again, they're okay. linked. Right. Um, He passed away in 1977, which I feel like I really had no concept for how old he was until I was doing research for this because mm-hmm. he was born in 1903. Oh, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Him and Walt Disney are like the same age. Oh. Um, Which would have made him 50 at the time of filming White Christmas. Oh, I thought you were going to say 50 when he died. I was like, what? No, he would have been 70, 74. Yeah. So mm -hmm. not young, but not that old. But he also, he also does not look 50 in White Christmas. I was like. Yeah. I'm like the lack of like really good cameras from the time. Do you a favor, (laughs) sir. (laughs) Probably smooth some things over made him look a little <laughs> it's like those younger. snapchat filters that just like smooth your whole face and you're like, oh. <laughs> i'm a newborn baby <laughs> uh but yes so he was 50 when he made this oh okay danny k is phil davis mm-hmm. danny k is a well-known musical actor and performer known for his roles as walter mitty in the original um secret life of walter mitty i, have I don't never have you seen, seen the new one i love the new one i've only seen the new one once i saw it in oh, theaters it's one of my favorites we saw but, it in the movie theater we bought it when we, like i don't know when i was little and i still watch it i love the music and i just i remember fun. really enjoying it i just yeah, haven't seen it it's since a good then. one but he was the original walter mitty Ooh. when the first one came out i don't even know what year it was but around the same time he was Hubert Hawkins in The Court Jester, like we said. Mm. And then he is Peter Cottontail in Here Comes Peter Cottontail, which is a, like, claymation-type oh. vibe. It's, you know, the Heat Miser and Snow Miser? Yes. It's, like, that same animation style. Those are my favorite Christmas movies. I've never seen them. I Okay, we're going to watch them after. They're my favorite. <laughs> Seriously, I watch them and I get a little i've heard the songs from tiktok but i've never watched them yeah those are my favorite um and of course his role in white christmas he was also wildly popular for his variety show the danny k show as well as his appearance on several other variety shows because i think during that time like 1950s to 1970s variety shows were really where it was at like the lucille ball show and Mm. the carol burnett show okay and then i don't remember the, the men shows Ed Sullivan show. I think that's one of them. But those were a really big deal. So, like, if you were featured on those a lot, then you were pretty famous. That's pretty cool. He was a pretty famous guy then. He was a pretty famous guy. <laughs> they talk about him in Christmas Vacation, so. Which I have also never seen. She hasn't seen. So, yeah. I'll watch those ones if you watch Christmas Vacation with me. Okay. Sounds good. Um, and then Rosemary Clooney is Betty Haynes. Rosemary Clooney is an accomplished singer and performer. She was in a handful of other movies, but nothing as popular as White Christmas. Mm-hmm. And she was mainly like a singer. And she's also George Clooney's aunt. I was just going to ask, any relation to yeah. George? She's his aunt. That's um, cool. I love Rosemary Clooney. Like, yeah. seriously, such an icon. 
And then Vera Ellen is Judy Haynes. And Vera Ellen is most known as a dancer mm-hmm. and was one of the youngest ever Rockettes at the oh, age of 18. That's really impressive. She had several other roles in other movie musicals like Words and Music and On the Town. Neither of which I've seen, but... I haven't even heard of them. She seems to give me the vibe of like, she just was seriously a great dancer. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and you can see that in the movie for sure. Yeah. But like, she, she was cast for her dancing skills. Mm-hmm. And then some musical facts. The musical opened on July 17th. Weird. Of 2000. So like oh, 50 years, almost 50 years later. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it premiered in St. Louis at the Muni, which for you theater people, you probably know what the Muni is. It's a, it's like an off-Broadway playhouse. Sorry if I get this wrong. This is, this is what I've inferred from TikTok. I haven't actually Googled it. But I think it's like an off-Broadway theater that's in st louis and a lot of shows that start there go to broadway okay or like they'll do big productions so this summer they did legally blonde and so like tiktok and they did an open casting call mm-hmm. so tiktok was like filled with girls that had self-taped to play Elwoods. so mm. but the muni is like a big theater and then it didn't open on broadway until 2008 so oh, wow. eight years later and it ran from november of 2008 through january of 2009 so like very short amount of time but like it's a seasonal show so that right. kind of makes sense right it was nominated for best choreography and best orchestration at the 2009 tony awards but it didn't win anything and the musical wasn't really well received by critics i mm-hmm. think they had a hard time translating it from the movie into a stage show because right. the, i think the concept of the storyline where it's like them putting on this show is kind of hard to translate onto an actual stage right that makes sense the only other musical i can think of that has done that is like chorus line and even that i don't know and then i have some fun facts about the movie according to rosemary clooney bing crosby and danny Kaye's sister's performance was not scripted really they were just messing around behind behind the scenes in between filming Uh and the director decided to put it in the in the movie because he thought it was funny and so crosby laughing in it is like genuine and real i was gonna say i was gonna say when i was watching it i watched it with josh um, yeah my older brother and he was like what the heck this is so funny i would not have expected this and then they start laughing at the end and i was like hmm that doesn't seem like a like a fake laugh that exactly like he genuinely is like hey, 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 yeah that's a good one you know yeah like danny k really gives it his all in that scene mm-hmm. and so it like so funny. them that's totally like genuine and very very real because it was not scripted at all which I makes love me love it even more yeah and then although dean jagger is the guy who plays the general, General Waverly. Mm-hmm. He was made out to be the old man throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing. But Bing Crosby is six months older than him in real life. Oh, so, <laughs> which you can't really tell in the movie. Uh-uh. But maybe like in real life, maybe. You'd be, I think I it's know. probably just because he has gray hair, you know. Yeah. And Bing Crosby doesn't. Bing. He's called Bing. Some name th- my son Bing. Fun fact for you real quick. Um, I grew up thinking his name was Bean. Like Bean Crosby. Bean. And I was like, why did they name him Bean? That's so rude. As opposed to Bing, which is such a normal it's name. so normal, yes. <laughs> In comparison to Bean, who would name their kid Bean? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of the dancers that accompanies Rosemary Clooney is George Shakiris. Chakiris? 
some sort of name. Um, And he went on to win the Academy Award for Bernardo in the original West Side Story movie. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Vera Ellen's singing voice was dubbed, so Judy doesn't do her own singing. Oh. Which I didn't know beforehand, but I could have guessed, I think. Yeah. Um, Numerous sources... Like, lots of people assumed that Rosemary Clooney sang her parts, but she didn't, obviously. Yeah, I was like, well, um, Trudy Stevens mm-hmm. actually did her stuff. I don't know who she is, really. But she, Vera Ellen's voice is doubled in all of her songs, namely Sisters and Snow and White Christmas. Um, the only time Vera's real voice is heard is when they get off the train and they do the little snow repri- reprise. Oh, yeah. That's the only time it's her actual voice. Oh, that's fun. So, she got a little bit of... She got her moment. She got her sleep. moment. Yeah. She got her moment. Um, and then even though Betty was old, like the elder of the two Haynes sisters, Rosemary Clooney is seven years younger. What? Isn't that crazy? Really? She's seven years younger than Vera Ellen. I would never have guessed that in a million years. Yeah. Wow. Which I think she looked old. She didn't look old. She just had a very like mature, like her acting really was good. And I'm like, that really blew my mind. Yeah. For real. She plays the older sister part very well. Very well. Yeah. So. But they actually are both from, like, the, they're both from Cincinnati. They, like, oh. grew up in the same town together. Oh. And I'm like, that's so cute. That is so cool. Um, the Vermont Inn in the remodeled Connecticut in is the remodeled Connecticut inset from Holiday Inn, which we talked about. Um, the reason the color palette is so, like, gray and white is mm-hmm. because Holiday Inn was filmed without color. So, like, oh, they didn't, didn't need it. They didn't need to put color on the sets. So they just kind of stuck with it. And then, okay, this one's interesting. So the movie musical, the soundtrack has never been released. So like you still can't listen to a complete soundtrack. There have been two versions of the soundtrack because Rosemary Clooney was signed to Columbia Records and Decca controlled the soundtrack rights. Mm -hmm. So Decca released their version that had Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, uh trudy stevens and then they had peggy lee sing for rosemary clooney's parts she the thing (laughs) off my head that i know that she sings is she sings the he's a tramp from lady and the tramp oh so she's like (laughs) she's a very prominent like jazz singer she's like super talented but i was kind of upset like listening to the music because like you hear sisters and her style is just a little different and so it it gives it a different feel which it's not the og thing. exactly yeah. and then like rosemary clooney has her own version of the of the albums from columbia where it's like mm-hmm. her songs oh. and so she sings like kind of a solo version of sisters which is like doesn't make sense uh, yeah the and then like is, she really two. only has one solo song in the whole thing and so it's like her just kind of singing these little ditties from it to try to like make some money off of it so but it's kind of sad i'm like i hope someday in the future that some legal thing will run out and we can get an actual thing Mm -hmm. an actual album because i would love to listen to sisters on apple music it would be a good one the internet suggests there are internet rumors that suggest that bob fossey do you know who that is i do not he is a choreographer okay um did uncredited choreography for the film mm-hmm. and we don't know if this is true or not because i'm like why wouldn't they credit him but right. i don't really know 
Um, but he did the choreography for like Chicago and he is like a very, and I think cabaret maybe, I don't know, but he has very specific like style. Like, mm-hmm. you know how you can go to like a Martha Graham school. Mm-hmm. You can go to like a Bob Fosse oh, yeah. school and learn, be like a Bob Fosse certified dancer. That's pretty cool. So in some of the numbers you see, like in choreography specifically, you mm-hmm. see a lot of Fosse inspiration. Mm. So that'd be interesting to know if that's true or not. Yeah. And then the last fact is just a rundown of everyone's ages at the time of filming uh-huh. <laughs> because it's like they actually rage in age a lot. So Rosemary Clooney was 26. Oh. Um, Vera what Ellen was that? 33. And then Crosby was 51. And then K was also the same age as Judy. So he would have been 30. What did you say? 33. Well, so I th- never would have guessed that. Really? I Those numbers are all. I mean, maybe I would have probably guessed Bing's. I was like, yeah, he's probably in his I like, would have said he's, late 40s, 50s. Yeah, he's old. I would not have guessed that Rosemary was 26. No, I wouldn't. And again, not that she looks not, old. She just looks has mature. Very, yeah, you know? mature and just like demure. Mm-hmm. I would have guessed she's like 35 or something. So like the age difference still would have been a little stark, but not as yeah. stark as like 25 years between the ah. two of them. <laughs> so yeah. Eat. Okay. Well, those are all my facts. And then we can get into the movie. Oh, so fun. Um, I'll just kind of give plot information as we go okay the movie starts out with a very typical like classical music musical opening credit scene with the overture and like i love a good overture Mm -hmm. like especially when you go see a show live and like they dim the lights and the curtain comes up and the orchestra especially if there's a live orchestra and you hear the overture oh it's, it's simply happiest. magical yeah. or like you hear the orchestra tuning i go tee i love this mm-hmm. so i love like it's a dopamine release i love listening to an overture and i think it's so fun then we were taken to christmas eve of 1944 i'm assuming they're somewhere in france I, they don't ever say where they are it doesn't say where they are yeah maybe they're not mm. in france that's my i don't know why is i think i assume that because you know the one story that's like christmas eve of this day and and they did a uh, a uh, ceasefire and oh, everyone yeah. came together that's world war one though so yeah hmm. and well, that was in france i think so <laughs> i'm well. no history major <laughs> that's okay but my mom's gonna be like no it's not it was in germany i was just gonna say i thought it was in germany but also i could be very wrong so it probably was in germany tbh i don't know i don't know so they're somewhere. fighting somewhere in europe and they so it's christmas eve and bob wallace and bill davis are putting on a variety show for the rest of their military unit or as they refer to it as an outfit which i have never heard that term used outside of this movie Hmm. so i don't think i have either but (laughs) then we see general waverly show showing the new captain around and the new captain is pretty critical of like them making merriment while they're at war and is kind of a stickler and but General Waverly has him set back to headquarters and then goes and sits down to watch the show. And this is when Bob first sings White Christmas. What are your thoughts on this song? On this song? Um, I liked it a lot. I mean, again, as I said, White Christmas is one of my favorite. Like, it just, it's one of those Christmas songs that kind of makes your heart melt. And it just kind of freezes time and you're like, oh, I love mm-hmm. Christmas time. And So when it first started 
playing it, I was like, oh, I love Christmas time. Love Christmas <laughs> I'm so happy time. that it's December. Um, yeah, it was, it's not a very long, it's not Mm-mm. like the full version of it, Mm-mm. right? It's just like a it's verse a or snippet. something, yeah, and yeah. the chorus. Um, I think this is like such a beautiful scene because like, it's so sad to think about people that can't be home for Christmas. And especially yeah. like at this time, if morale was low or anything and like they're obviously fighting a war, which is tough. And mm-hmm. you hear the like bombs crashing in the distance and the simplistic melody of the song itself is just so like, like you said, heartwarming. Yeah. And I think that juxtaposed with like the bombs crashing and stuff and the accompaniment of just the music box as opposed to like a full like piano or anything is mm-hmm. just like to me it's so tender because it's like taking it back to the basics exactly intimate it is incredibly intimate and i think it's just heartwarming to see like they're obviously probably not having a good time no but seeing them like do their best to still enjoy christmas and like come together mm-hmm. as a unit and to like celebrate together i think is very sweet After this, Bob doesn't realize that the general is in the crowd and he starts to give a speech about how wonderful the general is and how they'll be sad to lose him. But then General General Waverly stands up and interrogates Wallace and Davis about who put together the show and Phil nervously takes responsibility for the show thinking that the general would be like angry that they did it. Mm -hmm. And the general then talks very kindly about the new captain saying that he's exactly what this sloppy outfit needs. And then he encourages the men to give the new captain everything they've got. And then he concludes by expressing his gratitude for the unit and how much he, like, loves his men. And this part really just gets me because, to me, the general really demonstrates what, like, healthy masculinity is. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, he has, like, a tough exterior. And not saying you have to have a tough exterior to be, like, healthily masculine. No. But he just that's just because of the nature of his job, I think. But he also doesn't hesitate to, like, express his gratitude and he shows emotion and like, yeah, and and demonstrates love for his fellow man, which I think is really beautiful. Like he does struggle to kind of show his emotion a little bit, which I think is just probably something to do with the time. But like very much for the time that is like very wonderful to see Mm -hmm. in media and it's heaps and bounds better of what have probably been more realistic and i think something is very sweet about like brotherly love and because i'm so passionate about like my relationship to like my fellow women Mm -hmm. and like women's organizations are very important to me and i think it's important for anyone to find community in like with people of their same gender Mm -hmm. and like in situations like this where times are really hard like coming together in that way is just so sweet to me yeah it is then the men get into the old man which is the song that they're celebrating the general and then about halfway into the song they're interrupted by loud bombs and they all duck and cover but then they begin to start singing with like a gradual crescendo as they like stand back up again and they go from a whisper to a forte and i love this song because it shows the like adoration and respect that they have for the general and the relationship between the general and his men and how much like that mutual respect that's there between the two of them so do you have any thoughts about that part um yeah i mean i liked that it shows the quiet part of the song they're kind of like oh shoot that's scary we don't like this mm-hmm. i like the the concept and the idea of of showing through the music that they got knocked down but they're they're gonna be okay they got Mm -hmm. back up it's always a happy thing 
even though life sucks, we can always get back up. Period. Yeah. Engrave that on my tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> I've started saying that this week. <laughs> and every time I say it, I get like a laugh. <laughs> People think it's so funny. And I'm you're like, a comedian. Thank you. I'm hilarious. Then, after the song, the camp is struck by a bomb strike, and they all run and duck for cover. A bomb hits a wall and almost crashes down on Bob until Phil rescues him and, like, lands on his arm and hurts his <laughs> arm in the process. Uh-huh. And But basically, Phil saves Bob's life. Right. And then after that, Bob visits Phil in the field hospital to thank him for, like, saving his life, obviously. And then while he's there, Phil asks Bob if he would, like, want to start a double act with him back in America. And Bob's like, no. I'm kind of a solo act. Like, I don't really want to do that. And Phil's like, well, I would hate for you to feel any moral obligation. To and he grabs his arm. That was my <laughs> favorite throughout the whole movie. He's like, well, whenever anything was like, dang it, this is your fault. He's, He's like, like, well, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to. feel bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Feel obligated. Grab his arm. Feel obligated. And my favorite at the end, after Bob agrees to, like, start some like sing just the one song with him uh-huh. phil takes his arm out of the cast and shakes his hand <laughs> with his weak <laughs> arm and then puts it back in the cast <laughs> as he walks away that sneaky little fellow uh, but bob or phil guilt trips him and bob agrees mm-hmm. and then we fast forward after that to after the war where we see a montage of wallace and davis performing together and gaining popularity and success and then we eventually land at a club in Florida where they are performing together. And then after the show, we see all the showgirls getting ready together backstage when Phil tries to set Bob up with one of them. Mutual, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Bob asks the girl, how do you do? And she comes back with, mutual, I'm sure. What does that even mean? <laughs> I, uh, like, uh, I don't know. Like, She's... you're feeling bad. I'm feeling bad. You're feeling good. I'm feeling good. Like, it's just a weird way to say. But yeah. After that is more even what I'm talking about. <laughs> when, oh wait, no, this is what I said. I said from now on, when a guy on a dating app hits me with "How are you?" or "What's up," I'm gonna text back, <laughs> "Mutual, I'm sure." <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I You'll think that's extra coming. funny because my dating app of choice is Mutual. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I didn't even make that connection. Um. Bob makes an excuse of, like, why he can't go out with her mm-hmm. and walks away. And then Miss Girl goes, well, I like that. Without so much as a kiss my foot or have an apple. They <laughs> go, what? what? <laughs> She's speaking a different, I don't know. <laughs> She's speaking these, like, catchphrases that I'm like, I've literally never heard anyone say that. Yeah. Um, But I Googled that one because I was so confused about what it That's meant. just gibberish to me. And kiss my foot means to like grovel or like gain respect for someone so like okay to adore someone right and then have an apple is a little more of a stretch in my mind (laughs) (laughs) but it basically means to like offer a kind word or a compliment so like she's saying he dismissed me without even like trying to impress me or like complimenting me in any way oh so she really is so she's, she thinks she's all that and a bag of chips she does and he does not oh, she yeah. thinks she's an apple for sure <laughs> yeah. without so much as a kiss my foot or have an apple i thought she said half an apple and i was like what <laughs> half not even half. a full apple no only half an apple <laughs> i like googled it and it took me to this one like blog post mm-hmm. about someone who liked white christmas and it doesn't even like say in the blog post i had to like go in the comments and someone was like my mom used to say this all the time and this is what she meant when she said it and i'm like interesting Hmm. after bob dismisses the girl and she gets mad 
Phil storms in after Bob and says they, it's time for them to have a talk. And Bob starts by saying that he's sick of Phil trying to set him up with all these girls. And he's kind of demeaning these girls for, like, lack of intelligence, which is kind of misogynistic of him. But also he kind of has a point. So, like... I was going to say, all of the... In this movie, all... Well, maybe not all of them. But the vast majority... The showgirls. All of the showgirls are kind of ditzy. Which is not... It's not It's not true. And it's not true. (laughs) So, yeah. And so he's kind of being misogynistic in that way. But then Phil counters by saying that Bob's too picky and that Bob needs more meaningful relationships in his life besides his relationship with Phil, saying that he wishes Bob would just get married and have nine children. And if he only spent five minutes with each of them, then that would be 45 minutes that Phil could go out and get a massage or something, (laughs) which I think is really funny. Because that's the the real reason that we should the, be wanting children. The reason children. we have children. Is, the reason yeah. we bring human beings into this world is so that other people don't have to talk to us. Yes. So we can make our own friends. Yep. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, he kind of criticizes women for their lack of intelligence, which is not cool. But he also, he says, he criticizes women who want careers as well and saying that they're not interested in starting a family and don't like value family, which isn't true. I was going to say, they're not mutually exclusive. You can be interested in a career and have a family. Exactly. I'm like, how come you can have a career and have a family, but she can't? Yeah. But also, it was very indicative of the time. Like, Like yeah, exactly. Gender roles and stereotypes of the time. So I'm not going to like... The theme of this movie is that there are probably some problematic things, but it also came out in 1954, so, so we just I still enjoy say, the movie. <laughs> hey, whoa, 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 kids. This isn't okay. Don't but, do that. But also, they didn't know at the time. Yeah. So. And there are things in this movie that are progressive for the time, which is good. Yeah. And um, of course, later he'll eat his words with his relationship <laughs> with Betty, but. That nerd never that, saw it coming. That little comment was a little upsetting. Yeah. Um, Bob says that he'll get around to having a wife one day, but he's probably like, like we said, he's like 50. I don't know if he's, his character's 50. I have no idea. I would assume that his character would probably be a little bit younger. Probably 40, 30, late 30s, early 40s. I would guess. Me too. And so I'm not saying there's like an expiration date of when you need to get married, but like (laughs) if you're interested in that, you might want to start looking. Yeah, you might. (laughs) Yeah. You can't have kids forever. Yeah. I mean, he could. Well, <laughs> yes, but... You can, you can father children until the day you die, period. <laughs> that's true, but also... You couldn't raise kids forever. You couldn't be a good father till the day you die, that's for sure. But who knows if that was even a thing then. And then Bob reveals to Phil that they have an audition for this sister act and that they're doing it for the for an old army pal, Benny Haynes, and they show a picture of this guy mm-hmm. who looks... <laughs> interesting they're kind of mean to him though i was like they're so mean to that bad what they call like bulldog face bulldog or or something something mean i don't remember just compare him to a dog over and over again and i they like show the picture and i'm like y'all he's not ugly he's just a normal man but apparently that guy that the picture is shown of i don't remember what it was but he's like a obviously he's a real person yeah but he was like involved in production in some way or like was a friend of one of them and i'm like y'all just out here calling this man a dog oh i want to write him a little note i mean in the past and be like (laughs) dear i don't know his name whatever your name is you are not ugly yeah thank you and (laughs) thank you and goodbye Uh uh-huh and Phil doesn't really want to go to the audition, but Bob convinces him using the same guilt trip that Phil uses that they're doing something for an old pal in the army. Mm -hmm. 
So then they're taken to a nightclub in Florida where the sisters are performing and the audience learns that Judy wrote the letter to Wallace and Davis and not their brother, Benny. Um, Benny's in Alaska and at the time Alaska was not a state. So therefore he was out of the country and unreachable. Oh, I wondered. They were like, she goes, no, he's been in Alaska. How could he have written it? And I was like, real easy. He's just in Alaska. <laughs> no. He can still write letters. No, he but was, that makes sense. it wasn't okay. in the country and there probably wasn't like established. I think this was around the time of like the gold rush in Alaska. Oh. Mm, maybe not know. that old. Mm, probably not. That was probably <laughs> not real. <laughs> no, but like Alaska was very like, it's remote now. It was even more remote then. Right. So it would make sense that, that mail and letters would not travel quickly between alaska and florida like the furthest possible points yeah okay and so betty's upset that judy would lie about this and feels like she's lying to to wallace and davis and and taking advantage of a relationship between benny and these guys Mm -hmm. and personally while i don't think people should lie i think that was kind of a girl boss move from judy because like you can't just like uh, especially in this you can't just like hope that something good happens you know you have to be like proactive in your career in this case and like judy just went out and got it and she was like well the relationship's there are we just gonna not do anything about it like i don't blame her i support women's wrongs okay (laughs) i support women's rights but i also support women's wrongs that is a good one i've never heard that one before but that's a good one yeah and then we see the most probably the most iconic songs from the whole movie which is sisters abby do you have any thoughts i just thought it was funny it gave me a good little chuckle a A hearty laugh because it's like so sweet and endearing the whole time but like at the same time it's kind of not yeah it's kind of a little bit sarcastic and a little bit like at the very very end it's like oh no one can ever come between me and my sister we love each other so much but also like mm, sisters better not come between me and my man (laughs) yeah so that was funny um yeah i thought it was funny how they they both kind of are constantly like trying to get like physically in front of each other like during the song and they're switching places yeah i think it's a fun just a fun song fun little just kind of funny yeah um, this is one of my favorite songs from the movie, and I think the costuming and the choreography are just, like, iconic. Oh, the costumes are fun. The big I, fans. The big fans. Yeah. I've seen girls on TikTok, like, dress up as them for Halloween, and I was like, oh, I want to do that. That would be good Like, costume. you wear, like, just, like, a blue dress and blue gloves or whatever, but just the giant feather fans, and I think that would be fun. Yeah. Um... And I think the song encapsulate like a sister relationship really well. At least my relationship with my sister, it, like it's kind of funny because it's like roles reversed a little bit, but also not because Rosemary Clooney is younger. True. Where it's like I would definitely consider myself more of a Mother Betty hen. than a Judy, and so, but I'm the younger sister, and so I think the like the I think every sister dynamic probably has those two archetypes. And so I think it's fun. And like the, the physically getting in front of each other, that's a very sister thing to do. Yeah. And so I really like that. What, what sister archetype do you think you are? I, I probably would be more of a Betty. I would agree with that. I, but I don't have a sister, Mm. but also, yeah, I think that I would be a Betty. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's final answer. (laughs) Betty. Betty. (laughs) I would agree with that. Um, 
during this song, Bob notices Betty as like a romantic interest. And Phil, of course, notices that Bob notices Betty because Phil is interested in Bob taking his attention off of Phil. Right. <laughs> and For so, his 45 minute massage. Exactly. After the show, the sisters change and then they come and sit down with Wallace and Davis and ask them, like, thank them for coming and then ask them questions about their act and how they can improve it. And from the second Phil opens his mouth to talk to the sisters, you realize how, like, socially awkward he is. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. He's like, oh. That's, like, my favorite running joke from the movie, I think. <laughs> it's because, like, I I don't, I mean, obviously he's playing it to an extreme, mm-hmm. but I feel like there are some interactions I have in my life where I'm like, am I the dumbest person in this whole world? <laughs> Like, have I ever spoken to another human being ever? How do I... Do, can I put a sentence together and make it not sound dumb? Mm, I don't know. I guess I, we'll see. Guess not. I, but I just, like, his little voice cracks are so funny. I'm like, that's my favorite, like, running joke from the whole movie. Yeah. Um, Judy is very, like, all business about, like, the act and, like, should we change our hair? Like, what do you think will look better? Do you like the costumes? Like, all these different things. And Mm -hmm. she's very proactive and girl boss. Again. And I'm just gonna take this moment to say that Rosemary Clooney is, like, the most ravishing, gorgeous woman on this planet. And I think she, in this scene, is, like, so pretty. She is a very pretty person. Her skin is, like, perfect. And her hair is, like, perfectly coiffed. Coiffed? Is that what they used to say? Uh, I have sure mm-hmm. quaffed <laughs> sure sounds good yes I think so and I just think she's so pretty she is very pretty and I'm like, very well put together just very like elegant regal yes yes mm-hmm. elegant and regal she's also very like matter of fact and after Judy and Phil leaves she tells that she tells Bob that Judy's the one who wrote the letter and not Benny Right. And they get into a little argument about whether or not Judy's actions were, like, manipulative, calculated, if she's playing an angle is what they say. Mm-hmm. And as they argue, I don't know if you notice this. They scoot closer. They inch their, yeah, they inch their chairs closer and closer together. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, is I was watching it and I was like, that is something that Allie would be about. <laughs> Allie would say, Allie would be like, mmm. <laughs> I go, yeah, it's not that I like to argue. <laughs> I don't I don't like to I don't like to cause contention contention kind of follows me and I am trying to be better about that but something that I just love is a a good banter a good playful argument yeah I think is like where no one's really gonna get hurt and both parties walk away like still your relationship intact yeah you know but like you like to debate maybe exactly I like to have intelligent conversation and just discuss with people right and i can think of people in my past that i (laughs) not to drop names because i'm not going to (laughs) (laughs) abby knows what's up um that i have just had some very like lively debate conversation with and Mm -hmm. something about like the two of us at the time we were just like drawn together it was so weird and that is a very similar vibe that I get in this. And yep. so, like, I can confirm that, like, I enjoy that part of, like, <laughs> getting to know someone even or, like, talking with people when you don't have, like, the same views or whatever. Right. But you can still be, like, they still, they physically were getting closer even though they were discussing something that they didn't agree on. Mm-hmm. Like, they could still be friends. They could still be and more if, than if, friends exactly if there's one thing i've learned from this past year is my 
I wouldn't say that I wasn't open to the idea of like being friends with people that had different views than me. I think I was less open about it because I was more, I think I still am pretty confrontational, but I was more like black and white about everything. Right. And I think this last year I've met some really wonderful people that have really helped me with that because they have different views than me, but I have grown to a place where I can comfortably sit where I am and discuss my views and they can sit where they are and we can discuss our views and I can still, still have each other yeah still very good meaningful friendship. friendships yeah. with these people and I'm exactly. very grateful for that learning opportunity this year because I think the the world of people I can be friends with has really really opened up for me which is beautiful that's the best it's exactly something I, I have loved about this year mm-hmm during this, Phil and Judy are away watching them have this conversation and they're like, oh my gosh, guys, they're <laughs> falling in love. <laughs> yes. And I I just get giddy at the prospect of them like conniving together to like yes. throughout the whole movie. I'm like something about homies helping homies, you know? It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's so heartwarming. And it's so funny <laughs> because like Betty and Bob have no idea. <laughs> They have no idea that these two are like scheming right behind their back behind their backs whatever that means for them whatever but like helping homie out you know there's nothing i love that part of like being grown up and having adult relationships is that like you're all rooting for each other in a way yeah. that like wasn't really possible before because yeah. like we're all adults now and we can all have these relationships and whatever and so I think that part's fun. And throughout the whole movie, I think it's fun seeing them, like, scheme together to get the two of them together because they have, like, mutual interest in getting them together. Yes. Judy reveals to Phil that her and Betty are headed up to Vermont because they're booked at at a Vermont inn over the holidays. And they talk about how beautiful Vermont is that time of year with all that snow. Mm -hmm. And Philip stupidly repeats, like, back to her what she just said. (laughs) And I think him, again, he's so awkward. And I think it's it's so so funny. It's so relatable. It really is. Because in my mind, that is how I come across. I'm like, I watched it and I was like, it's me, but a man. (laughs) And old. (laughs) And in the 50s. Yeah. Um... And it's so, you know, he's just like definition golden retriever boy of just like, ah, (laughs) everything you say is so smart. That's what I'm looking for in this life. (laughs) Um, And then we get the song, The Best Things Happen While You're Dancing. Do you have any thoughts about this song? Hmm. I'm not going to lie. When I first heard it, I was not a huge fan of it. I was just, I know, right? I just so many interesting opinions that i have um like the music is fun but the words i was kind of like well i mean it says like oh i don't remember the words exactly and i didn't write them down but it says something about how like you do things that you would never do before but then it goes Um, on and it's like cheek to cheek and i'm like okay well that's okay that's that's keeping it pg i was like all right okay Uh, (laughs) we doing a burlesque show Um, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. So at first, my initial response was like, "Ooh, grody, <laughs> nasty." And then, <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll allow it. I get it. I see. I see the angle. I see what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's all very on the up and up. It's fine. Yeah. They're just talking about like I don't know, guys being dudes, maybe holding hands. I don't know. I don't That's know. pretty intense. Holding so, hands. And then I liked the um, dance number after. Mm-hmm. But I will say. Side note, not really a side note. Um, Judy, like the lady that plays her, I don't remember her name. Vera Ellen. 
Vera you can Ellen. refer to her as Judy, though. She is a very pretty person, like a very pretty lady. But sometimes when the camera close, like comes close up on her or if she's dancing or if there's a really intense thing, mm-hmm. pretty much any time she's on screen, mm-hmm. her eyes look kind of crazy. Like just a little oh, bit. Oh, no, for sure. She kind of looks mindless me, almost. Yeah. <laughs> and she like she'll awkwardly randomly like look to the camera where you're like, I don't think you're supposed to be looking at the camera, but I know you are interesting but also it reminded me of in princess and the frog you know when um lottie's up and in her (laughs) in her um room with tiana and she's like i was beginning to think that wishing on stars was for babies and crazy Crazy people people. and she's like putting on her mascara and her eyes are huge and crazy her eyes kind of reminded me of that the whole time yeah where i was like i don't think that that's how she naturally probably carries herself or like she positions like her face or like holds her facial performer. features but she's yeah very intense i was like maybe i don't know interesting i didn't pick up on that yeah i not, mean like i picked up on her eyes being like very wide but like no hate to her she's a beautiful person yeah. and there would be scenes where she would like relax her face and it would be fine but for a second it's like ooh, that's a little intense <laughs> okay miss girl that's mm-hmm. a bit much yeah interesting i really enjoy this song Danny Kay has a very wonderful voice in mm-hmm. a way that I did not really expect. Um, the real star of this number is the choreography. Yes. And I think I loved that. the two of them dancing together is just so wonderful. And I think Danny Kay is an excellent dancer. And Vera Allen obviously is an incredible dancer. Mm-hmm. And I especially love the little tappy portion. I don't even know oh. if you call it like tap, but like samba almost yeah, on top I of the really boat. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, I think that's fun. And also Judy's dress in this scene, the oh, like pink so with the fun. pink underlay, mm, obsessed with it. And apparently they chose pink because so he's wearing a gray suit, she's wearing a pink dress. Uh-huh. Apparently those were like the hot colors at the time, were pink oh. and gray together. So okay, that's fun. They tried to like draw in audiences that way. I liked it. After they finished their dancing number, oh, also the part where she like is hanging from the little that was my favorite. Called the zipline. Zipline, zip yeah, and she like yeets across school? the the dock think that's very fun i loved that and i love the like <laughs> it was all shot on a soundstage obviously uh-huh. so it's like it doesn't look realistic at all oh, which no. is something i kind of love and i find very nostalgic about these old movies it's like exactly they could do what they could do and like now everything's very like cgi and very mm-hmm. realistic but i'm like there's kind of a simple elegance and like look at this really shitty background <laughs> just gonna it's say, like you look at it and you're like mm, that's a background <laughs> Somebody it looks like that. like the back of like a mini golf, like <laughs> like the sand coming into like the lagoon thing, yeah. and the like random lighthouse there. Yeah, I'm like, and it's not to scale at all or anything, but it's no. kind of it's fun. <laughs> it kind of to me, it like brings it closer to you because it's like it's a sectioned off area, you know it is, and it's like. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just the audience and these two people like in this mm-hmm. more intimate setting, which it's not necessarily more intimate, but it feels that way because I think it does because I think it gives it more of a vibe of like a stage show exactly. where it's like it's a set that's not real as opposed to like nowadays with all our like brilliant CGI or whatever mm-hmm. movies are so expansive yeah, and there's like, like the so much to take in forever. Yeah. And so I think the focus from this and not saying that one's better than the other, but I think there are good things to be had in both. Like, this takes the, the energy of the audience member away from, like, looking at, like, the visual brilliance of it and instead focusing on the performers. Right. And I think we 
sometimes lose that nowadays with movie musicals because there's a lot more like park and bark nowadays and less dance yeah and so i think something that's cool about this is just like the focus really was on the dance yeah um after they finish dancing they're like literally like in a dip or whatever and like breathing heavy betty comes out and like what are you guys doing <laughs> and she's like we need to go they like need to go get ready for their second show mm-hmm. and then while judy's walking over the club owner comes in and tells the sister that the sheriff's waiting for them with a warrant to arrest them because the landlord claimed that they burned a hole in the rug and they weren't going to pay the $200 that he was charging and they snuck out of the room without telling them and there's a whole thing. And so Phil tells them to go pack their things and the him and Bob will take care of it. And Betty asks Phil what's in it for him and he goes 45 minutes. (laughs) Um, He gives the girls him and Bob's train tickets and tells them to go pack. And then while the girls go pack, the owner is distracting the sheriff and Wallace and Davis go on stage as the Haynes sisters to perform the comedic version of Sisters. I love it. Um, I love this song and I think it's even more fun, like we said, knowing that it's improv. Mm-hmm. So I love when they're smacking each other yeah. with the fans. They're sisters? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> also, their eyes are so blue. <laughs> yeah. Something about the like color, what's it called? technicolor at the time like mm. blue is so like sparkly and brilliant yeah. like Bing Crosby's eyes his I'm eyes like, were woo. oh my gosh it's so pretty it's like in Snow White's in Mine Train you know the ride in Disney World where oh. Dopey goes like this with, with the, the diamonds and uh-huh. it's like blue everywhere that's what I think of <laughs> yes and yeah so I think that I just love that song it's so I like fun. can't emphasize like I don't really have like thoughts on it other it's than just it's so just fun, fun yeah. you know I really enjoy it yeah and I think I love knowing that it wasn't like written in and that is the beauty of artists and theater and all these different things is that like we get awesome things because people are just funny yeah people are creative and I love it after exiting the stage Wallace and Davis flee the scene to get onto the train so they can catch the train to New York. And then once they get on the train, it comes out that Phil doesn't have their tickets anymore and that they're going to have to purchase tickets to sit in a club car overnight as opposed to them sitting in the, um, or going into their drawing room. Are you are we in haunted <laughs> mansion? <laughs> the lights are going, we, 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 Excuse me. I never, we never turn on these big ones. I literally forget they're there. And then my dad came on and turned them on and I was like, it's so bright I down here. I kind of feel like I'm maybe like, I don't know, having a seizure or so like it's kind of scary. It's it like, feels like oh. you're in Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. What was I saying? You were oh. talking about club car. They yes. had to sit up all night. So once they got on the train, it comes out that Phil doesn't have their tickets and that they have to purchase tickets to sit in the club car because the drawing room that was theirs is occupied by the Haynes sisters, but Bob doesn't know that yet. Mm-hmm. And then Phil tries to convince Bob to buy tickets to go to Vermont instead of New York, but Bob's like, why on earth would I want to go to Vermont? Like, <laughs> I have no... And they have a show scheduled in New York. Right. And so he's like not having it. And he says, well, Vermont... With all that snow, can you imagine it? Like he says what Judy says. (laughs) Exactly. He's trying to like get him to go. And then they, so they go to the club car and like sit down and Bob's like mad because he realizes that he gave the tickets away to the Haynes sisters and he's like, I'm going to march down them and give them a piece of my mind or whatever. And so he's going to like go and like open the door on them. And they walk in and they're like, oh, thank you so much for giving us your tickets. We really appreciate it. You're so kind. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, and then he is like, yeah, of course. 
anything no anything for you mm-hmm. um and then bob learns that the girls are going to vermont and that's why phil wants him to go to vermont and they go oh vermont you know with all that snow must be nice and through some exchange of words bob agrees to go to vermont and then the four of them sing the snow quartet. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, it's it just it's a time, it's a thing. It wasn't my favorite. I was kind of like, I mean, I get that they wanted to have like a fun little group number, but it wasn't my favorite. I was like, snow, they kind of just snow. they only say snow. It's like snow, snow, yeah, snow. Again, I was watching it with Josh, and he just kind of looked over at me and he was like, "Hey, Abby, snow." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, really? <laughs> exactly." It's but a little. Like, it's okay. I mean, it's. I feel like it was a filler number. It it, it's not really anything. I think they're really trying to emphasize the snow. You know, ah. they're really trying to hit it home. Right. right so right, when right. they get there and there's no snow, you you say, oh, yeah. But the real. snow song <laughs> promised snow. <laughs> what? There's no snow. The outrage. Um. Yeah. I think the like. The harmonies written in are cool. I think the lyrics are weird. When she mm-hmm. goes, I want to wash my face, my hands in snow. I want to wash my hands, my face, my hair with snow. Yeah, yeah, snow. Yeah. I'm like, that's weird. And um, then they like pull out a napkin and put like little sprigs on it and act like it's like a ski slope. Mm-hmm. Kind of funny. Kind of cute. Kind of cute. Kind of fun. Kind of reminded me of things I would do as a kid. Like, yeah. mm, let's make some salt let's make and a diorama. Oh. <laughs> Let's gather these raw materials at this diner and make a diorama. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I think Rose, the the trending theme throughout the whole movie is like Rosemary Clooney's voice with Bing Crosby's voice is like so wonderful. It I is. love it so much. So soothing. Because mm-hmm. they're both like Bing Crosby's a crooner, and I don't I don't think there are women crooners. I don't think that's a thing. Whatever the female equivalent of a crooner is, I should know because I'm a singer, but I don't. Um, that's what she is. And so I just think they coincide very nicely together. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning they get to Vermont. And like I said, they find that there is no snow in Vermont. And they're like, did we take the wrong train? (laughs) Then they, (laughs) they get off the train and they're like, well, it won't be long until there's snow. Snow. Here's my question though. Someone, so they're like, where's all the snow? And the guy goes, oh, it hasn't snowed since Thanksgiving. And then he says something like 64 years today. And I go what i yeah i must have missed that <laughs> i go did i, I hear he, that wrong or did you say 64 di- that wouldn't even i work. thought he said something about it being like 64 was the high is the high today or something like that or like that would like make so much more sense like 64 degrees is maybe i misheard is. i bet i misheard uh, i had I... subtitles on but i didn't read oh. that <laughs> specific part <laughs> never mind disregard what i just said it's all right i watched it like three times in the last little bit and i every time i've heard that wrong so i'm like you need to work on your diction your (laughs) enunciation sir because it is not coming through then they get to the columbia inn and the woman at the front desk emma checks them like informs them that they had to cancel the show due to lack of guests because there's no snow and that they can only pay them half salary and might i say that the inn is beautiful I really, I was like, man, why is no one staying there? I want to go to a no Vermont snow? inn, you know? Yeah, like, the architecture's gorgeous. And I'm like, even if there's no snow, you're still in, like, beautiful green, yeah. like, pine trees and all this different stuff. And I'm like, the weather's nice, too. It would be four degrees. Very res- yeah. restorative time. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, 
go there. Mm-hmm. And then the owner of the inn walks in, and we learn that General Waverly owns the inn. And he insists that they put on the show without an audience and that it's his, like, he would love to see them perform and, like, wants to do them right and pay them their full salary to come perform, even though they're going to be performing to no one. And you can just tell, like, so he walks in and, and Phil, like, salutes him and, like, and he's stands awkward a, again. A, attention. He's like, uh-uh. And he's like, uh-uh. And you can just tell how happy it makes the general to see some of the men from the outfit. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I guess that's a theme later on, but like the idea of like when you're general and like, that's kind of like the peak of like your life as a professional or whatever. And then what do you do after that? You know? Right. And so I think any, and like anything like that, where if you hit a peak and then you're kind of on in, in the glory days of your life after that, then it's it's nice to like kind of sit back step step back into that part of your life which i think is really sweet and the way he like looks so happy i'm like oh it's so cute nothing mm. like a happy old man yeah and then the first night of the floor show the sisters are performing to pretty much an empty room there's like maybe one couple there and wallace and davis feel really bad for the general so that's when they decide to bring their new york shore show to the inn to draw in a crowd because they're wallace and davis right they're famous by the next morning, the whole crew has shown up to throw together a Christmas variety show. But as far as the general knows, they're just rehearsing for their Christmas show and trying out some new material. Like, he doesn't know that they're going to put on a show or anything. And then once rehearsals start, we catch them practicing um, a dance number. And this dance number, I don't, there's no, no song because it's just them, like, playing the piano. Mm-hmm. Vera Ellen's being, like, lifted up in the air, doing high kicks being held like in a splits position is this the one where she's in like neon yellow mm-hmm. this was my favorite dance number like really? i absolutely loved it like wait this is the one is it the it's just her and one other guy right oh no that one's later that one's later okay then she's wearing disregard. yellow with like a black leotard oh, bottom in no huh mm-hmm. i'm talking about a different we'll one. talk about that my, one bee. In a minute, my bad um but i just think like she's crazy crazy mm-hmm. the Insane first skills dress rehearsal that we see is i'd rather see a minstrel show and before we talk about this number i want to talk a little bit about the problematic history of this number Mm -hmm. um as we know minstrel shows were typically opportunities for white people to perform in blackface and this number is inspired by that racist practice oh um which i only learned like last year yeah that was kind of upsetting um that being said, it was a step in the right direction considering there is no blackface in the movie because when Holiday Inn was shot 12 years before this, there was blackface in it. Oh, no. So That's it's like, bad. it's unfortunate that like e. the song is inspired by that, but it's good that they didn't do blackface. So right. we hate the hateful side of it, but like, it's good that they are, prog- they're progressive for the yeah. time in that, yeah. in that way. And I don't have much to say about that number and i don't really want to draw a ton of attention to it because of that but um the one thing i will say is that why is <laughs> judy's wearing this white leotard mm-hmm. with like the the like crotch part oh it looks like she's wearing a diaper it looks like she's wearing a diaper it's she like walks down the stairs bejeweled like, um... diaper and i i go i <laughs> why is judy judy wearing like the thickest diaper leotard is what i have written <laughs> It probably, like, it doesn't help because her waist is so itty-bitty. She's, yeah. like, a 21-inch waist. Like, oh, she's tiny. Wow. And it was probably hard to make costumes for her, but... 
still it's bad the way the costume's designed and the way she comes out at yeah, the she, beginning, she looks like a used tampon <laughs> <laughs> because she's like white and then like her gloves and her hair accessories are red <laughs> oh. she comes up like with her arms up in the air and I'm like, Miss Girl looks like a used tampon. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching that and being like, this, like, just the way that she walks down the stairs, she's very turned out, like her hips yeah, are she's... out. And so it's like, you can see all of the muscle definition. Oh, in her for legs. sure. She's, she's ripped. shredded. <laughs> I was like, dang, I want to be that ripped. Um, But then she's a rocket. Like, for real, man. She's talented. But I was just like, ooh, um, that maybe was not the smartest costume idea. It, yeah. It draws attention to the like bulkiness. Bulky of... crotch. <laughs> Yeah, that's what they call me, <laughs> bulky crotch. Oh gosh, but um, the really incredible part of the scene, like the choreography in the scene, is very good, and like anything with Judy is gonna be top notch mm-hmm. choreography. Um, but especially at the end when they all walk back up the stairs, and then they literally just like chuck Judy into this like men that grab her, and I'm like, oh. Miss Girl literally just got chucked down a bunch of stairs. That is scary, but I did it well. Mm-hmm. So, do you have any other thoughts? Nope. That's pretty much it. Cool. Following this, we see Betty run. Oh, that's far. <laughs> run the song on the piano. She like sits down to start like running through the music a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Bob comes up behind her Aww. and like puts his arms around her and like and starts playing the piano with his arms around her. And I will say it. I've said it again. I've said it again and again. And I will say it until I'm <laughs> blue in the face. But there is nothing more intimate <laughs> than the act of, like, sitting, sharing a piano bunch with someone or, like, playing the piano alongside someone. It is an act more intimate than sex, and I stand by that. <laughs> um, throughout the rest, like, the movie, like I said, we watch Judy and Phil scheme together, and, like, I just think it's fun. And mm-hmm. we see that again now. Yeah. After that, Bob and Betty share little moment together inside the inn after judy like convinces betty she needs to go in and eat something so she can fall asleep but Mm -hmm. it's really because bob's in there (laughs) and the looking through the window of of, they're like they're like go 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 now go now yeah for real i think that's fun fun. but i will say this um they go inside the inn to have sandwiches and buttermilk no i'm i do drink milk sorry guys <laughs> i am a milk drinker. i am a, hi my name's is ally and i'm a milk drinker um and that i understand why people think that's weird but buttermilk that's a Ooh, lot for me that's a lot that's does like, anyone drink buttermilk i have never met a human that drinks buttermilk no nasty. like buttermilk syrup i could probably drink that oh, but that's, buttermilk. that's, that's cause like it's sugar i was gonna say 90 percent <laughs> butter and sugar and then a little oh, bit of buttermilk yeah buttermilk, buttermilk. <laughs> yeah I was oh. kind of, maybe it was like buttermilk. Maybe buttermilk was like or, something else back then. I don't know, but that seemed. They're like, lo- you should go have some sandwiches and buttermilk. I'm like, why? First of all, Miss Girl is a singer, and if she drinks buttermilk before she goes to sleep, she's gonna have mad acid reflux. That's gonna spill into her vocal cords and ruin her. Why are you trying to? <laughs> you have a vendetta against your sister. Yeah. Oh, and also like just so much mucus oh. and like nasty, and also it's disgusting. So yeah no. then bob sings counter blessings instead of sheep with betty what are your thoughts on this song this was my favorite song mm. yeah it makes me oh for me it's very relatable like for me when i go to sleep i it takes me a minute to like calm down and chill out so counting your blessings instead of sheep is definitely 
like what I do. Like I definitely just meditate and count my blessings mm-hmm. instead of sheep. I just thought it was so tender and so I don't know. His voice is beautiful. So good. It's so again. It's so intimate. Like it's just him singing to Betty, and the way he looks at her. I mean, I know that he's like they're not actually in love, but the way that he looks at her, they're the very acting, convincing actors. Yeah. yeah, they're very convincing actors. Like he just looks at her and it's like, oh, he just really adores mm, her. Precious. Oh, precious. Aww. And it's something. There's something so sweet about seeing. I feel like the the trope of like a man who's like I don't need to get married. Like every Hallmark movie ever is is successful because there's always one party that isn't interested in love. Exactly. And then they find someone that makes them want to be in love. And I think that is so sweet. And it I think is. the same thing is true like for both of them too though. Like neither of them really want to like fall in love with each other, but like I said for some reason they're just like magnetically drawn towards each other, mm-hmm. which I think is very cute. Yeah. And like you said, I think it's really like the idea of counting your blessings before you go to bed. Like that's why I think like saying prayers before bed is so helpful for your brain because like that's part of my nighttime routine. Just like it's at first I was like, oh, I should start saying prayers now. And now it's like I just can't go to sleep without it. Mm -hmm. And it's just an opportunity to like reflect on the day and reflect on like your life and be like, you know what? I might have had like a stressful day or whatever. Especially, like, if you start your prayers with, like, thanking for things, mm-hmm. I feel like it really brings you down and, I like, do helps you, like, breathe a little bit. Yeah. Because you're less, like, stressed about things and instead being like, you know what? I may have had a stressful day, but I'm so thankful for all these different things. Very true. And I just think it's very – it's a good mindful – like, even if you're not religious, like, the practice of, like, being mindful before you go to sleep is very, very good for the brain. Yeah. Mindful of all the beautiful things and all the good things in life mm-hmm yeah and this brings you down and helps you sleep i agree um also i watched this i i like watched it a week ago and didn't take notes but i like wanted to watch it again and take notes right and so i was watching this at, like this part at like one in the morning last night oh it's so tender and all the like romantic interaction between bob and betty just had me very like emo and like oh mm, that's no so... well like like emo in a, like oh. emo in a good way i mean i was also emo i've been emo kind of all week but i'm sorry it is all right but like this was like just like you said very tender yeah and then after that betty and bob start snogging wow (laughs) and then zero to 60 real fast um the general walks in on them and i'm like that is so awkward but they don't they're not even (laughs) phased like they stop kissing obviously but they don't act like it's weird at all he walks past like, he even comments on it. He's like, I came to get something sweet, but looks like you, you beat me to it. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> That's really weird. <laughs> and then he walks past and they, like, continue smooching. I'm like, if that was, mm, if that happened to me, I'd be like, Oop, okay, we don't start kissing until yeah. somebody leaves the room. I'm like, like, and now, okay. Ooh. Yeah, no. it was weird. I was like, okay. But also, it's a movie, so it's like, it doesn't have to be yeah. realistic all the time. But they're, like, full-fledged in love now Aww. by this point, which I think is sweet. And then the next morning, we were taken outside with the general and um, Bob. And we find out that the general has decided to enlist back in the army for active duty. And he's written his friend who works in Washington to find him a position. And Bob has this letter that's writing back from the friend. And it basically says that, like, we don't have anywhere for you. Like, you're... And they don't ever say, like, you're too old. But that's kind of the message of, like, 
They referred to him. And he's like, oh, you're so lucky, old. I don't remember the general's name, but he's like, the old general, like, so lucky that he can yeah. just be in retirement. Like, I wish I was him. Exactly. And so, like, Bob feels really sad for the general because, like, it is it is sad, you know? Like, getting inspired to, like, do something that makes you happy and then being told pretty much, like, they don't want you anymore or there's no room for you or, like, things have changed so much since you were last there or yeah. it's been so long that, like, your skills aren't even desired or wanted or anything. Like, yeah, that'd it's be really sad. sad. And so Bob feels bad for the general and then he's inspired to kind of put something together for the general. Um, and then immediately following that, we get to the most useless <laughs> musical number probably in history, which is choreography. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I'm going to be the first to say it. I skipped it. <laughs> Because I was, I'd never seen White Christmas, but there, everyone that I've talked to that's seen it was like, yeah, choreography is weird. And I always like, was so confused. I was like, do they mean the choreography? No. But no, the like the song scene, choreography. The song is called choreography. So that made more sense. I was like, oh, I get it. So I skipped it because everyone was like, it's so dumb. Like, there's no point. I always skip it. Yeah. So I watched the first maybe minute yeah, with I like did the too. purple costumes. And I was like, the theater, the theater. What happened to the theater? I was like, this is kind of weird. So then I just skipped it. Yeah. The So it's basically four full minutes of like non-plot advancing dance which is like fine i so i often struggle because some people are like why do you like musicals like they like i know people specifically that are like i just don't the song to me gets in the way of the plot for a lot of people and i don't mm. feel that way i'm like well, the song drives the plot and adds layers it of adds meaning to, to the yeah. plot so but like this is an example of one where i'm like does it mm. and i also saw have you seen spirited no okay i went and saw spirited the other day and it was very funny mm -hmm. but it was the first like movie musical i've seen in a while where i was like there are too many songs in this oh <laughs> like that's, the yeah. songs felt like it got in, in the way of the plot and i think it's because that was part of the joke of the movie is like oh we're singing again but it was oh, like okay but i think because of that and the songs were like just like upbeat happy songs there were very few like hard-hitting like it, the songs kind of have to have meaning you know as right. opposed to just like sing and dance you it know? should be it should be a plot and then the musical should be the musical numbers should be like little windows into like somebody, the characters yeah, into yeah. The characters are like and a little what, how they're experiencing yeah things. and so and if you have too many of that then it's like well mm, it yeah. fails to be special or it fails to not even fails to be special it just fails to like be an inside look it's like oh we're just gonna sing about what Something we're just gonna random. have purple costumes in the theater and yeah it's not contributing anything and so that's like this song for me the other day i tried turning it on while i was in the library because i was taking a little break from doing my homework mm -hmm. and i was like i should go watch that and like because i haven't i think i've only seen it all the way through once and so i was like i should go watch it and i couldn't pay attention <laughs> yeah it's just it's kind of pointless to me um, but this, the choreography in the scene does seem very Bob Fosse inspired and that's make, make, what makes me think that he was involved in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Also, apparently Danny Kaye was kind of being homophobic behind the scenes of filming this one. Oh. And so I'm like, mm, don't love that. And Dang. that, I, we don't know that for sure, but if that is the case, then I'm even less of a fan. So. Um, after this, we catch Bob talking to Ed Harrison, who, based on my internet research, is supposed to be like Bob Sullivan or Ed Sullivan, not, but 
they call him Ed Harrison. Okay. Um, who hosts a TV show in New York, who also happened to be one of their like army pals who also worked with the general Mm -hmm. and they agree to broadcast the, the Christmas Eve show at the inn and Emma, the housekeeper eavesdrops and hears the conversation. And afterwards she talks to Betty about how this will hurt the general's pride to like have them come in and like basically feel like pity for their inn with no people. Right. And, and she thinks it's just a PR stunt for Wallace and Davis. And what I'm con- like, obviously there's a misunderstanding, but what I'm confused about is if I heard their conversation, I'd probably be like free PR for us. <laughs> like, yeah. like I don't know. And maybe I'm not as affected. Like, I think the concept of pride was a lot, m- not more relevant, but like a bigger thing back it, then. It was definitely a bigger thing. And yeah. so I'm like the idea that like that would hurt someone's pride. I'm like, no, I think you're helping out the guy in the long run. Yeah. But there's kind of just like this misunderstanding and um it kind of drove me crazy cuz she assumes so quickly out of she hears what like 10 seconds of the very I don't know, middle of the thing. Yeah. With so no she context. doesn't Yeah, there's no context and she doesn't hear the thing that Bob says after of like, "No, we're not going to do that." And so it kind of drives me crazy that she doesn't even like, like she's, she's just, really just spreading rumors. she really is like it seriously oh it really taters my tots i really just hate yeah. it it's like don't don't spread rumors and i think a lot of like plots in general but like these traditional movie plots oh. are always inspired by like someone just hearing something wrong and then no one being able to talk you That's know why i it seriously drives me crazy it gives me so much anxiety because i'm like you guys all of your problems, everything would be solved if you just, just said, hey, I heard, like, somebody said that. First yeah. of all, don't spread rumors. Second of yeah. all, like, hey, I heard this. Is this true? Exactly. Um, no. The whole entire rest of the movie mm, could have be been so resolved, good. you know? Yeah. And so this misunderstanding creates a rift between Bob and Betty. And Betty is, like, really upset that she feels like Bob would, like, take advantage of the general in this way. Mm-hmm. And so Betty threatens to leave the show. And Bob thinks that she's just feeling bad about their kiss the night before and that she just doesn't like him anymore. And she's overreacting about something or another yeah. and is, like, just experiencing emotions. And that's why she wants to leave, which is not the case. But Yeah. But I also did think that it was like sweet of bob to be like i'm sorry if, yeah like, like if let's just do, go back to how we were last yeah, night you know? if you feel guilty like or if if i got carried away but it was just a kiss and i'm sorry like yeah don't worry we can go back to just being friends i thought that that sentiment was very sweet of like, i totally agree i value your feelings and your opinions men take notes take <laughs> notes oh yeah, yeah i totally agree and like judy and phil could not have read this situation worse. <laughs> uh-huh, they're like, mm, okay. Um, instead of deciding that, like, Betty's, like, and they just decide that Betty's so in love and that she's acting irrationally. And right. the reason that she's acting this way is that she f- feels like she can't fall in love with someone until Judy's, like, taken care of and she doesn't have to worry about Judy anymore. So, <laughs> so Phil and Judy decide <laughs> to do probably the stupidest thing ever and decide to, like, fake, make, fake an engagement. And is like, oh, we're in love. So thinking that once they're engaged, then Betty and Bob can like be together because Betty's not going to be worried about Judy anymore. Right. That scene was my favorite <laughs> where he like, he's scooting on the couch and he's scooting further yeah. and further away. And he just, um, uh, um, well, uh, and then he says something about like how she reminds him of his Cocker Spaniel or yeah. his golden retriever or something like that. Yeah. I don't remember, but 
she has crazy eyes definitely she, then she, definitely she like has crazy, crazy eyes. eyes leans in and it's just like hi hi yeah yeah so that was a choice from them i mm-hmm. said i don't think i would ever look at that no. situation and go we need to get married <laughs> <laughs> you know what would be great idea marriage yeah um Bob and Betty aren't on speaking terms by the time they get to this Christmas party and Phil and Judy announce that they're engaged at the Christmas party and this makes me so sad. Betty um, like hears that or when she finds out that they're engaged, Betty does her best to be like, oh, I'm like so surprised and so happy for you. Yeah. And then she gets so, like, upset to the point of tears where she has to, like, excuse herself, you know? Yeah. And it's very sad. And Bob goes and talks to Betty and tries to patch, thing up, patch things up, but, like, the, the misunderstanding's still there. And so and it makes so it worse. She is just still pretty upset. Yeah. And then after that, we cut to a scene that night where um, Judy is talking to Betty about like them potentially breaking up the act because now she's with Phil, which she's not, but, mm-hmm. and y- Betty is like laying on her bed and she's like facing the other way. So all that Judy sees is the back of her head, but we see her face, but we see her face as the, as the audience. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to like talk to her and there are just like tears streaming down her face. Oh, and this scene just like really like, gets me Mm -hmm. because there's something so ouchy and human and raw about this experience of like someone you love someone you're really close with like getting like an awesome opportunity or like getting something that you want really badly whether that be like a new job or like an opportunity or like a romantic interest or something and you're happy for them like of course you want them to succeed you love them and you want what's best for them but that happiness is also met with this, like, powerful, like, sadness and, like, almost melancholy of, like, it's it's just, like, hard to deal with because you feel like you can't talk to that person about those feelings, you know? Right. You because don't you don't want them. want them to feel bad. Yeah. You want to be happy for them and you are happy for them. But at the same time, you're like, that uh, touches something. Right. And you, and you don't feel like you can be honest with that person because you don't want to make them feel sad exactly like you don't want to make them feel guilty for their their good things yeah because you love them and you want what's best for them and that's not like it's not their fault that those things have happened to them and not happened to you but that it's hard because especially when it's someone that's so close to you that you would normally talk to that person about those kinds of things you feel like you can't and so like you either keep that information to yourself or you take it to somewhere else which kind of sometimes creates a rift in that relationship because you feel like you're talking bad about someone when you're not it's just you're talking about your own feelings right and so I just think that's a very like that has been one of the tougher experiences of my adult life and mm-hmm. I think that's something I really emphasize empathize with Betty about and so and like this oh she's just crying and and she stops responding and she's obviously still awake and Judy's like, did you, go, did you go to sleep? Did you go to sleep? And she just doesn't reply. And she goes, okay, good night, honey. Yeah. And like tucks herself in. Yeah. And I just think that's very, yeah. very sad because there's something very isolating about those feelings when you feel like you can't talk to that person about those things. So mm-hmm. that's just a very tender part for me. The next morning, Betty leaves without telling anyone and at the train station, she runs into Bob, who is trying to, like, talk to the conductor about keeping the men's arrival a secret from the general. Mm-hmm. And Bob tries to convince Betty to stay. 
and he still thinks that she's just upset about them and there's they don't understand and but she just decides to go anyways and then we cut to a dance number rehearsal this is the number you're talking about <gasps> i love um, it with one of the male dancers and what are your thoughts i absolutely love this because you can just see the joy on her face and like how much she loves it i love that at the end or like through progressively through the number you can see her face getting more red like you can tell she's really exerting herself like Mm -hmm. both of the dancers are breathing really hard Mm -hmm. they're trying like so hard but like you can just see the joy it's just such a happy i don't know energetic fun dance number i love it i love it it made me so happy like i just sat and watched it i was like oh this is so Seeing fun. other I people experience things that make them happy yeah. is very enjoyable. It's very a contagious happiness. Very good. Very nice. I like. I think this number's fine. <laughs> you don't. You don't like it. That's okay. I. It's one of those things for me. It's kind of similar to choreography, oh. where I felt like I again. I'm a singing. I'm a singing girl. Yeah. And this, because of it's, it's just the dance, the number doesn't really like do anything for me per se, but Mm -hmm. like, I agree with what you said. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's fun and I think it's fun to see, like, I think the difference is like, if I were to see that live on stage, Mm -hmm. which like is a different media, you know, um, I think I would really like it then because it's like live performance. Whereas I think if I'm watching a movie, I'm kind of like, I could take it or leave it. Right. You know? Right. I, I think I particularly liked it too because, I mean, I didn't do the research. I didn't know that, I don't remember her name, Judy, Judy's mm-hmm. actress. Um, I didn't know that she was like casted definitely for her uh, dancing abilities. Mm-hmm. But for me, throughout the whole movie, I was like, no, yeah, the reason that she was casted was definitely because she was a good dancer. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that was a fun little moment for I think her it's to fun shine. for her to shine yeah I and agree. i i thought the choreography was so good another reason why i don't like the part like choreography mm-hmm. i just felt like it was weird like i i don't yeah, know it's I'm all so for, completely left field and there's no context i'm all for like modern dance and and interpretive dance and whatever makes you happy yeah. whatever floats your boat but it gets to a certain point for me where i'm like oh this is just kind of like moving your body and it looks weird yeah. but like okay it's art um it's a little bit harder to interpret and to relate to and understand what they're dancing about if anything and in this part it was very much like oh no yeah they're just dancing because they're happy and it's a fun upbeat like there's a purpose to it i felt but also i don't know i totally see that i just i think that's awesome yeah after that judy receives betty's letter and judy realizes that her and phil's plan their terrible plan has backfired <laughs> and they name? come clean to bob about their fake engagement and bob decides he's gonna go and fetch betty because mm-hmm. he has to go to new york anyways but he's gonna he's gonna grab her while she's there right while he's there uh bob finds betty at the, her carousel club debut and that's when she sings love you didn't do right by me what do you think about this song um i definitely think that it's her part of her grieving process and before she goes on stage, she, she she sees Bob, and she goes backstage and is like, hey, I don't know who she's talking to, manager, oh, yeah, somebody, some whoever. The she's, owner or whatever. Yeah, she's like, hey, no, let's not do this one. Like, can we do anything else? Because I think for her, it was a way for her to process and to be very vulnerable. I was going to say, but it's also the vulnerability. in a way where she's being, being vulnerable and allowing herself to mourn, but also nobody in that audience understands the context. Exactly. So 
it's a very personal personal moment, even though everyone's there. But now because somebody she does know the and context the song is, is there. about is there, she's like, oh, shoot, never mind. Yeah. I can't. I totally agree with that. And then they make her sing. And also, yeah. I thought that the guys that were dancing around her, that was kind of weird. I was like, I don't yeah, think that was needed. Yeah, they were just kind of standing there. Well, and then they're like, chop hands. Chop hands. Scissor hands. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? This song could have the same meaning if you guys were not there. I think it would have even meant more, more. if they weren't there because, again, it brings you into just her dealing just with intimate, her yeah. emotions. But also, I mean, I'm not in the business they call show. Ah, uh, so. yeah. So they, what uh, do they I didn't, know? They didn't consult me. Or, or you. <laughs> no one asked me when I was in the free moral life. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me. Actually, no, that's not good. <laughs> um, I actually don't like. That, I don't like so. that number. Yeah. No. Um, this song isn't super memorable for me. It's one of the very few solo numbers in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think Rosemary Clooney has a very beautiful voice. And I think it's lovely to see her be vulnerable in that way, like you said. Mm-hmm. And that's like one of those things about being an artist, I think, where it's like, you can be so vulnerable with your art and it's fine if like no one, you know, sees it, but Under, like the second yeah. you actually, but that's, I think that's not even true vulnerability, you know, mm-hmm. this vulnerability is like putting yourself in a weak spot of like seeing or not weak is the wrong word, but in a vulnerable position. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and if no one there knows the context, then I don't know that's real vulnerability you know right it's being vulnerable i think with yourself or in, at least in this case yeah it was her being vulnerable with herself and working through emotions but it wasn't true vulnerability until bob until came bob in and she in. she said oh wait never mind i don't want this yeah yeah oof if i'm ever in that position oof <laughs> i don't think i will be but it would be interesting uh Bob tries to convince Betty to come with him, but again, she does. They don't talk to each other about literally anything. Communication so. is key, you guys. <laughs> you guys, oh, let's don't learn be dumb. to communicate. Yeah. Um, but she's not budging and doesn't want to go, mm-hmm. and so Bob has to leave to go on the Ed Harrison show to promote the Christmas Eve show, and to get veterans from their unit to come and he sings what can you do with a general and i actually love this song like yeah. i've emphasized over and over again the idea of like once you peak what do you do after that mm-hmm. is so interesting because i'm not i like now i know i didn't peak in high school and like at the time i was kind of joking about it but mm-hmm. especially i think graduating in covid really had like a very intense like downfall for me at least where I felt like I was like really at the height of everything I wanted to be doing without adequate closure after that and so I kind of was like what do I do now you know and then I felt similar like downfalls after as my plans have changed across the years of like what do I do do now you know yeah and so I think the idea of like what do you do because the lines go what do you do with the general when he stops being a general and it's like just very sad but I think it's important to talk about this right now my dad works at this parent construction company he's one of their vps and he actually works with several retired like generals whoa so he works with a guy that like commanded the whole thing in afghanistan during the gulf war and stuff oh wow and so what do you do with a general you go work at mcor so Mm -hmm. (laughs) he always like my guy pat and i'm like very nice very nice um and 
So, but I think that's weird. And knowing people that have transitioned from like military life to civilian life, I think that's a probably a really, really hard transition. I think because I be think too. part of the nice thing about military life is that like, y- to a certain extent, your choices are kind of taken away from you. Like mm-hmm. your choices are made for you. And my dad and I talked about this recently when it comes to like missions and stuff, because I was like, there's some like going on a mission is so good. But I'm like, it also is so different than like not going on a mission because like if you don't go on a mission, those two years are filled with you making so many different choices. Right. And my dad says, if your choice is to make to go on a mission, then you are making the choice to have choices taken away from you for the next two years, kind of in a way like you obviously have to free will and agency right. and all these different things, but like you your don't have life, to plan it. yeah, your life is at as at the hands of someone else who has your best interests, hopefully, and so and the Lord obviously has your best interests, but yes, for sure, like, and I think that's really interesting. Just yeah, to have those yeah it, choice. It's it's not that like your agency is being taken away from you or anything, but it's just that like there's a set plan and there's a path and it's all outlined. Mm-hmm. So it's like this is what you're going to expect. Like, this is what's going to happen. And so there's not that sense of uncertainty of like, I really could do whatever I wanted and I could go wherever I wanted. But at the same time, I don't have something that's already outlined for me. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. Yeah. I think when you get to that part in your life, like the last two years of my life has been full of really, not like so important decisions that I couldn't change, but like right. big decisions, yeah. big choices. Yeah. But I think the same thing is true for, like, the military. When you go to the military, like, you're making the decision to have the, have path. the path lined up They're for like, you. And so you're going to do this and then this and then yeah. this. Yeah. Once you transition back into civilian life, when you kind of have the world open up in a way of, like, mm-hmm. I really could do anything I wanted, mm-hmm. then that would be weird. That would be a really weird transition. Right. So, little, little side <laughs> conversation for that. Um, what are your thoughts on this song? Um... Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's fun. I think um, just what we were talking about, it makes you wonder about how the general feels and what his uncertainty with life is and probably how hard that is for him to be like, oh, well, they didn't, they didn't quote unquote need me in Mm -hmm. the normal, like everyday society of trying to run a hotel. Yeah. And they didn't quote-unquote need me in the military so like where am i needed where do i fit in and so it's it's a very heartwarming thing to be like oh well these guys still need him and these guys still appreciate Mm -hmm. him and love him and appreciate all that he did do exactly how much he's impacted their lives yeah yeah very sweet and then uh, betty's watching the ed harrison show while he's doing this and that's when betty realizes the whole misunderstanding Mm -hmm. that she was wrong about bob and she decides to go back for the show at the end (laughs) um emma has so they're getting ready for the show and emma has both of the general's suits sent out to the cleaners and sneaky lady the general's like why would you send both my suits out at the same time she's like you just have to wear your uniform, I guess. And he was like, I'm not wearing my uniform. She was like, well, then guess you just aren't coming to the show then. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the general responds with, I got along just fine in the army without you. And then Emma goes, it took 15,000 men to take my place. <laughs> I love that. I was like, Icon hey. behavior. <laughs> I'm like, I just thought that was funny. It is funny. Betty makes it back to the end just in time for the show to surprise Bob. 
And then we see this beautiful scene of the general walk. Oh, this part's so tender. Mm -hmm. The general walking down the stairs in his military suit for the first time in probably 10 years at least. And so, um, he and his granddaughter sees him and he's like, you look so handsome. And then they walk together into the, into the show and he walks in and the spotlight's on him and he realizes that all his, his whole outfit is there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) that really gets you. (laughs) And I think it's so just precious to see his face. Like, like seeing, I wish every single person could like see in a room all the people that they've impacted and like had a positive effect on because right. like how much value would we each like we, we we would understand how much value we have if we saw a visualization of that because like we've all touched the lives of so many people mm-hmm. and I think that's sometimes hard to realize but like for him he's really dealing with this like feeling of like I don't matter no one wants me my value isn't there anymore and then he sees this visualization of all these people who love him enough to come and see the show on Christmas Eve just to like see him and honor him and like I just think that's so sweet and such a sweet sentiment of like if we all could just see all the people who love us and all the people that we've impacted and like that would just oh that would be so special it really would it's a really yeah, I really like that thought. It's very happy. Mm-hmm. So tender. And then this is, we've reached the last 10 minutes of the movie. Um, and we're about to rapid fire some songs because the last <laughs> 10 minutes is a couple songs. Um, and first up we have, we'll follow the old man wherever he wants to go. We'll follow the old man wherever he wants to go. <laughs> Which we hear at the beginning of the movie. But what are your thoughts on this song? I just think it's cute. It's like a little reunion mm-hmm. and i feel like they're all they're all kind of smiling like do you remember when we remember yeah. the last time we yeah, sang this together we, we were love. we were back in at the war and at now we're war. here and mm-hmm. i thought it was cute because we love him we love him i just think it's so sweet mm-hmm. i just think it's so precious and similar to the first rendition i just think watching the general get like misty while mm-hmm. he watches them sing this is so sweet and then they have him come and down and like inspect all of them and it just like fills his life with a little bit of meaning yeah. and i think that's very precious i do too and he again expresses his gratitude which i think is very sweet mm-hmm. following that we have gee i wish i were back in the army and i think this one's just plain fun oh it's so <laughs> fun what do you think about it yeah i think it's fun my one note was um Betty, I like her. I don't know if it was that she's uncomfortable dancing, but if you watch her, it's very. I think this is what happened. Yeah. I think she wasn't there for rehearsals. And so she's pretty much just following Judy's lead. Oh, okay. Because I was like, she either like is no, like, she like I walks on and like looks anymore. very confused. Oh. But I think it's because she wasn't there for rehearsal, so she's just kind of okay, doing her best sense. to follow along. I was a little confused. I was like, she doesn't look very happy to be here, and she doesn't really look like she knows what she's doing. But that's, you know. <laughs> Probably because she doesn't. Yeah. Um, the choreography is very fun, and the song's very catchy, but my favorite part is when she walks on stage, and Bob sees her, and he hadn't seen her yet, mm-hmm. and he was like so happy and excited to see her and so surprised that she's there and like the little reuniting in that way we don't have like a full reunion yet but i think that's very sweet i do too and the the song itself like i just just think it's a good song you know 
and the co- like when they roll out the big big costumes big costumes of them like in front of them and them like dancing i think that's really fun yeah and i just really would recommend this song i think it's, it's very one. well written and very catchy so after that we the general is taken outside because someone comes and gets him and they go outside and it's finally snowing Aww. yay and so then uh, everyone or not everyone but like wallace and davis see that it's snowing outside and it's very exciting and then so they're setting up the scene for the final number and we finish with the titular number white christmas mm. the costumes for betty and judy in this scene they're so they're pretty. so beautiful i'm like i want to they're like dressed in red velvet with like white fur lining mm-hmm. and so they look like mrs claus but fancy but fancy and i'm like <laughs> i want that dress so badly like an evening christmas gown i would like to be fancy miss santa it is <laughs> fancy miss santa <laughs> um but i just love their dresses they're so pretty they're and so fun. the song this song like we hear it at the beginning of the movie as a solo it's very simple very mm-hmm. non-ornamented and I think, like, that part has its own beauty in, like, how simple it was. But I think mm-hmm. this one is has equal beauty. And it's not it's not even complex. No. But it's, like, I think this song sounds so beautiful in, like, a chorus. Mm-hmm. Because I've sung this in choir before. And I just think it's very beautiful to hear it in parts. And the way the ensemble sings is gorgeous. And the orchestration of it all is not even complex at all. It's, it's pretty very, simple. It's very full. Like, yeah. It, it just is you feel it's warm and cozy it's it's like a big hug like everyone's invited we're Mm -hmm. all contributing i because like they're not doing intense choreography or anything they have these little ballerinas i have a few notes on that (laughs) i knew you would um i say i think the little ballerinas are like kind of my fave i think they're fun (laughs) they're so cute but also i'm like those children should not be on On point point. oh their ankle well they're not over their boxes of their shoes so they're like their ankles aren't strong enough and they're so tiny and i'm like that's not healthy you poor babies yeah yeah shoot but also, Hard I'm like, time. it is cute, but mm-hmm. I'm eh. not obsessed. Yeah. But it's okay. It's, it's, it's we'll look past that. Yeah. We'll look past that. Mm-hmm. But but the rest is really, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a sense of community, which like sounds very extreme for it's a song. But like music no, connects people. it does. And it's something where it's like everyone, like at this point in the movie, all things are resolved everyone's happy everyone's friends again mm-hmm. the general like knows that he's loved and appreciated and everyone's come out to see him it's a full audience everyone's on stage they've opened up the back doors it's snowing mm-hmm. so like everything it's that magical. was wrong has, has fixed been itself righted and everything has been fixed and they're just all one big happy family it's a perfect finale in that yeah. sense where it's like in the last 10 minutes everything has been resolved and this is you know how you have like the climax and then the falling action and then the celebration or like rendezvous is what we call it Mm -hmm. this is that of this Mm -hmm. just like celebration together if we're all together and everything's fixed and it's just happy and good and i and i really enjoy that and then during the scene bob and betty officially make up and i think that's very sweet and you can see the snow falling outside and it's just very like innocent and tender and cute it is yeah and then the movie ends with the audience joining in and singing white christmas which i am a sucker i am a sucker for like an audience joining in on a last verse 
I absolutely love it. Like we did that at my concert on Thursday. One of the choirs had that. Mm -hmm. We did Silent Night at the end. And I'm just like, I think it's so, especially at Christmas time when it's like songs that people know. I love when people do that. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. obviously it doesn't sound wonderful because not everyone's a singer. But it's more about like what music can do as a tool. Exactly. I was just going to say it brings it from like a bunch of people watching someone on the stage Mm -hmm. as like. Oh, they are performers. So they're and performers, art form. and they're like so fancy. And in the case of White Christmas, like they're so um, famous, they're yeah. so amazing. It brings it to like it evens everyone out to be like, yeah, we're famous, but we're all just people. Yeah, that's I a great. It. What's the word? Equalizer. Equalizer. Yeah. Exactly. I and I, I just love when they do that. I love it. And that is the end. And I just think it's so lovely it ends on such a happy yeah Mm -hmm. do you have any final thoughts were you glad you watched the movie yeah i was glad i was like oh during it i was like this movie is giving me the rickets because communication really yeah like a 30 second conversation would have fixed all your problems Mm -hmm. but i really liked the ending it was Mm -hmm. very happy it's very very cozy very like Oh, I think there's something, yeah, so beautiful about like a very simple structure of a plot where it's like, like, so musicals nowadays, like you watch like Dear Evan Hansen and the plot for Dear Evan Hansen is so complex. I've never seen it, but it's like, I even read a, like before I saw it live, Mm -hmm. I had to read a synopsis because I was so confused listening to the music because it's not very straightforward. Mm. Um, And I was reading synopsis and I was still so confused. And so like that is so complex, but I think it's nice to like these older musicals to just have something be simple and Mm -hmm. it's simple, like it's beautiful because it's so simple. I Mm. love that. Okay. Well, now we'll get to the Tony Awards section. (laughs) Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay. I was like, we'll just do like, I'll say mine and then you can say yours if you want to do it like that. Okay. My best actor, I think for me, is going to be Danny Kaye. I think he has excellent comedic timing. Mm -hmm. He is a great dancer. I think he, uh, I just, I think he's funny. And I think he's, he does a good job in this movie. So I'm going to pick Danny Kaye. What do you think? I also was going to pick Danny Kaye. Nice. I just really, I really relate to him and how you can see him and he functions as a normal human being. (laughs) And then he, he gets put in these social situations where he's, like, not 100% sure or, mm-hmm. like, comfortable. And he just is, like, he just trips over himself. And obviously, he's hamming it up. And obviously, I don't really act like that. But I feel like sometimes that that's, that's how it how. feels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Like, oh, no. For real. Yeah. Um, gentleman's tip of the hat to um, Betty, to Rosemary yeah. Clooney, though. Because I think, because normally when I do this, I pick, like, my, my favorite singer mm-hmm. as the best actor because I don't have a separate category for that, but I, cause like, but I think she's the best singer, but I think he's the best actor. So, yeah. Okay. My best solo number is going to be white Christmas from the beginning, just Mm -hmm. because there, I mean, there aren't really many solo numbers, but I just, like we said, I think that one's just really pretty. So yeah, I like that one too. Um, mine was count your blessings instead of sheep. That is a solo number, right? I mean, maybe she joins in at the end, end, but I'll give it to you. Uh, I'll allow it. I'll allow (laughs) it. Thank you. The council will allow it, I guess. Thank you, governor. (laughs) Um, that was my favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's very sweet. Mm -hmm. My best duet slash small group number 
is Sisters. It's just a classic. I think if I were to listen to any song from this movie, it would be Sisters because I think yeah. it's just the most iconic part. And I'm very upset that there's not a recording of the real actresses together. But uh-huh. one day, maybe we will. Well, some statute of limitations will run out and <laughs> we will get it. What do you think? Um, You know... I probably would also have to say sisters. I mean, I'm thinking of all the duets, and it's pretty much sisters or like anyone where it's um, Bob and Bob and uh, Betty, or Bob uh, and what's his name? Uh, oh. Phil. Phil. Wow, that was rude. <laughs> that's awkward. And I don't really like Bob and Phil's numbers are fun, but they're not really my favorite. So yeah. I'll probably I'd probably go with sisters. Cool. Yeah. Best large group number for me is. Uh, and the difference between large and small group is always like, well, whatever. Yeah. Um, but mine is the, it's the, oh my gosh, we literally just talked about it. The gee, I wish I were back in the army combined with the one before it. What was that one called? Oh, um, um. old man. We love the old man. We'll follow the old man. Yeah. That one combined with G. I wish I were back in the army at the end. I really enjoy those ones together. I think they're fun. They're fun. And I think I especially love G. I wish I were back in the army. I, I, I just love it's so catchy. I love yeah. it. So. I love the, the girls parts for that. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun. I think it is fun. Yeah. Um, my favorite is the end white Christmas. The big good. group one. That's yeah. good. Yeah. It's a classic. It, it just makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And all the resolution, like mm-hmm. you said. Okay. My best dance number is the best things happen while you're dancing. I think the That's choreography in that one is just really fun. And it's the first time we get to see the dancers, like, be dancers together. Right. I think it's fun. Right. Um, my favorite, I don't even think it has a title, but we talked about it. It's the yeah. one where she, it's just Judy and some other random the guy, guy. Playing, that played Bernardo. Yep. <laughs> um, on the stage, she's got her like neon yellow skirt and top yeah. and she's just, she's dancing just her little ham, heart out. You know? I loved it. It made me seriously, it was just a contagious happiness. I, I really liked it. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> okay. And then I have one last question for you. Um, if you could play one role in the movie, who would it be and why? Mm, I honestly probably would pick Judy just because sometimes Betty's Betty and Bob's lack of communication, like Betty just kind of, I mean, both of them. I'm like, you guys just, (laughs) can you work it out please? Yeah. So I'd probably pick Judy. I also, just because I like her dance Mm -hmm. numbers, I think that'd be so fun. It'd be a fun role to play for sure. To play that. Yeah. I, and I think that there's also something to be said for the, like the comedic relationship between her and, um, she's the less intense storyline of like. I, I love a, a comedic character, you yeah. know, of just yeah. getting to be there. Like, you're not the main source of attention, which right. is kind of be nice. Yeah. I probably would play Betty just because I, I live for the drama. <laughs> no, <laughs> because I'm, I'm not going to say I don't know how to dance, but I'm not a super talented dancer. And mm-hmm. so I would pick her and I think singing her stuff would be super fun. And especially... Yeah. I have not had many opportunities to sing in a male-female duet. 
but I think an oppor- like that opportunity really excites me. Yeah. I am singing in a male-female duet on <gasps> Christmas Day. I'm very excited oh, about it. We're so excited. We're rehearsing tomorrow. Everybody roll up. Everyone pull up to the YSA. Centerville YSA. <laughs> It'll be exciting, but I just think I would be excited about that opportunity. Yeah. So, Well, um, do you have anything you want to say about anything to end the thing? To end the thing. I did want to ask or discuss point out um at the well through the through the fake engagement Mm -hmm. phil and judy are like you know phil's obviously very much like oh no uh -uh, mm -hmm." yeah but you can tell like he likes her at the beginning i think this is my opinion i think by the end he when they like break up judy is obviously sad about both lying but i also think that she's sad about them breaking up really their fake engagement that's how i interpreted it i, don't I know didn't correct. pick up on that i'll have to watch it again that's just what i see think. if i see that because so she did seem very interested she seems very interested they fake it engaged they're at the party he's telling everyone about their engagement the general comes up and says like aren't you gonna give the the bride a kiss or something and she like was that. like oh yeah and she's like "Ooh!" and he so he goes in to give her a kiss and he's like oh yeah and he gives her a kiss and he goes oh yeah and then he starts kissing her and so i think for me that's like his point of like wait a minute maybe i do maybe like i her. do like her and again maybe i'm just reading into this but i thought it was kind of fun to see the progression of like oh no i really do like her she is not only is she my friend but also like oh yeah i think that's nice and then at the end when they are like back all back to being pals and then both couples are (laughs) making out on stage making out on stage nice (laughs) very merry christmas (laughs) anyways those are my own that's my only other thing that we didn't already cover nice Okay, well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I very much enjoyed our conversation. It's been good. We had a good time. Mm -hmm. So, well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Well, that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at at Pierce. If you go to the link in my bio, you can find a Google form where you can apply to be a guest on the podcast because I'd love to have you on. Feel free to like, rate, review, whatever to get the podcast out there. I love you guys so much and I hope you have an amazing week. Bye!